The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, welcome to this uh, chilly Monday on the 630 Chad Afternoon News. It's Jaylen Nye, Andrew Gross. Uh, lots to get to today. We will check in with Jesse Beyer in about mm. a half an hour, the chief meteorologist over at Global, just to give us an update on what is happening with this deep freeze that we're yeah, in. Yeah, deep freeze and uh, what is it called? A, a polar vortex? We'll get Jesse to explain that to us because apparently that's what's causing this weather. We've got a contest coming up this week that we'll tell you about a little bit later on in the show that's very exciting and will involve people coming in studio. Contest against me and Andrew. Yeah, it'll be teams. Jalen and I against <laughs> you two. And I think we're bringing three couples in, so we'll see. At 3 o'clock, we'll talk with Alan Cross, who is the host of the ongoing history of new music and a music contributor to Chorus Radio and Global News. We'll talk about that halftime show last night. Um, and we'll probably talk about the game a little bit as well. Now, one of the things on the Canadian feed of the commercials last night was a commercial, and you might have seen it, the union representing Canada's auto worker standing firm by its Super Bowl ad that takes aim at General Motors and its decision to close its plant in Oshawa, Ontario. Now, the ad aired Sunday in defiance of a cease and desist letter from GM. Sure did. The commercial accuses General Motors of continuing to expand into Mexico while leaving Canadians out in the cold. Take a listen to it. What makes us Canadian? Generosity, supporting friends and neighbors, helping those in need. So when GM needed help, we gave them $300 from every single Canadian. And after that nearly $11 billion bailout, GM continues to expand in Mexico, leaving workers out in the cold. A move that's as un-Canadian as the vehicles they now want to sell us. GM, you may have forgotten our generosity, but we'll never forget your greed. If you want to sell here, build here. Well, the uh, National President of Unifor, Jerry Dias, joins us on the phone this afternoon. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for taking the time. Pleasure is always mine. Yikes, boy, you don't uh, hold any punches, eh? So uh, let me ask. No. (laughs) Let me ask first. uh, The ad I just heard and our listeners heard said the company accepted billions of dollars from taxpayers. Uh, It was referenced $300 per Canadian. Uh, But GM and his lawyers uh, have taken exception to that statement. They say there were loans paid in full by the company. They say it's a grotesque misrepresentation of what happened. Obviously, you disagree with that. Well, of course I do. I mean, they can't deny the fact that when they were in bankruptcy, the Canadian government and Ontario government ponied up $10.8 billion. Uh, It was a part of the overall bailout. Uh, The U.S. government gave them $50 billion. Yes, there was a a uh, repayment schedule. There was stock options. There was a whole host of things that were tied into it. But the bottom line is, when they were in trouble, the Canadian and Ontario governments were there. And the Mexican government did not give General Motors one nickel. So GM does not want us to talk about the bailout because they know that's pretty sensitive with consumers. They don't want us to talk about the fact that Mary Bear makes $22 million a year and is, and is the number one shareholder for General Motors. They don't like us talking about the fact that they pay their employees in Mexico two bucks an hour. They don't like the idea that we say to them that they're going to be building a million vehicles a year in Mexico and we're going to be building less than 200,000 here in Canada. So this is about them trying to stifle our, our dissent 
this is them trying to silence the concern of 24,000 Canadians that are going to lose their job. And it's not working. And Jer- nor will it work. Jerry, got to ask you, if, uh, if you're hoping to maybe sway GM not to make that move or maybe to um, keep the Oshawa plant open, do you think that this is the right way to do it? Um, or is this just kind of burning some bridges? You know, you're throwing the gra- grenade as you're crossing it. Oh, look, GM was emphatic right from the beginning. They weren't changing their mind. I thought if by using sophisticated terminology and, 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 and sucked up that somehow they would have reversed their decision, I would have preferred to go that route. But they've been very adamant right from the beginning that too bad, even though they signed a collective agreement with us. That's the problem is they signed an agreement with us in 2016 that said they weren't closing the Oshawa plant, mm. and here they announced it anyway. So they're completely arrogant. So the only thing that's going to get their attention is this, in my opinion. So obviously it's you're about, hoping... Uh, it, you're hoping for public uh, support and pushback to this. Can I ask you an apples and apples and uh, question? Sure. All right. So a car made by General Motors in Mexico or parts thereof, um, side by side with a car made in Oshawa uh, or parts thereof, are they identical? Uh, is the only difference the cost of labor? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. We build a Chevy Equinox, for example, in Ingersoll, and they build the exact same Equinox in two assembly plants in Mexico. Okay. The difference so, is, is you're dead on. It's $30 an hour versus two. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, and I'm anticipating what our, our tax line is going to say, but as soon as you hear the word union, right, and, uh, you know, tax line is going to light up and say, well, if these auto workers wanted less money, um, possibly they wouldn't be closing the plant. Oh, please. I mean, ultimately, they're paying their employees $2 an hour. Do I work for three an hour? No, but is there a compromise between 30 and 2? Well, look, let's be realistically here. 4% of a price of a car is labor. 4%. So our $30 an hour is not exactly going to bankrupt General Motors, but... They should have a situation in place where you would think you would want your own employees to be able to afford to buy your cars. Uh, a, a worker that works in the, in the Ramos plant in Mexico, it would take them eight years to buy the, uh, the, the, the Chevy Terrain that they're building. Eight years. That's based on the fact that they don't eat. They don't spend money on housing. They don't feed their, they don't close any. It's ridiculous. It's Jerry, about let's, greed. That's all there is to it. For sure. Well, well, I shouldn't say for sure. But, you know, let's be real here, though. You're not, this is not about protecting Mexican workers or working conditions. This is about protecting Canadian workers and, and wages. This is about both. This is about finding a way that we can have some sort of a balance. Look, uh, I am very supportive and spent a lot of time during the NAFTA renegotiations talking about the working conditions in Mexico, talking about free collective bargaining, talking about putting into place a mechanism that would give the citizens of Mexico opportunities to have a decent life. Uh, But this is also about finding a mechanism that says we deserve our fair share of the jobs as well. We've closed four assembly plants in, in Canada. They closed 10 in the United States. They opened eight in Mexico and are opening two more. The BMW plant that opens this year, they're going to pay their employees $1.10 an hour. So there's something inherently wrong with a system that is laid out that way. And that's what we try to fix and, and did to a large extent uh, in the last set of negotiations with NAFTA. 
Jerry, I just want to go back to this uh, this commercial that, that aired again, and I know you've been asked a lot about it today. Um, a couple of things. Um, I'm curious to know what uh, went through you, your mind when the cease and desist order came across your desk from General Motors, number one. And number two, give our, our listeners an idea. We hear about the cost of, of Super Bowl commercials and uh, what it costs to, to do this. Well, it cost about $180,000 to do the act. We just played it in Canada. There would have yeah. been about $5 million if we did it in the U.S. Yeah. So, we, so it was $180,000. Um, you know, so it was money well spent. This is about the discussion. This is about General Motors understanding that we're not giving up. So this when, is about General Motors living up to the terms of the agreement that they signed with us in 2016. So what was your, well obviously we know what your response was to the cease and desist order. You ignored it, you went ahead and, and played it and, and went ahead and, and played it. So what happens now, Jerry, as far as um, as talks? Are you sitting down? Are you, are you having any conversations with GM? Are you having any conversations with the federal government? Where do you go next uh, on this front? Well, I've had discussions last week with the federal government. I know the federal government has uh, uh, basically in the standing committee subpoenaed Mary Barra to come up to, before, uh, to speak before the uh, parliamentary panel, which is a good start. Um, we have requested a meeting with General Motors. I expect that that will happen within the next couple of weeks. So we'll see where this thing goes. There's no question. I am not going to allow the lawyers for General Motors to intimidate me. I am not going to allow the lawyers mm-hmm. for General Motors by somehow suggesting that, you know, our, our, our ad was flawed, <laughs> that somehow I'm going to let them off the hook from signing a collective agreement that says there would be no closures uh, to them unilaterally walking away from their commitment. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be bullied by them now, tomorrow, next week, or next year. Well, clearly, Jerry, you're not easily bullied. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just trying to figure this all out for myself. So uh, was there any conversations? You said you had a collective agreement. General Motors uh, ignored that agreement in closing the plant, or they had, they had promised not to close the plant. Was there any conversations with GM leading up to the announcement of a plant closure or subsequent to that? No. I, got a, I had a phone call. Um, first of all, I was notified by the media. Mm-hmm. And then I was notified by General Motors about uh, about a half an hour after the media called to say GM is going to announce the closure of the plant. And then we had a conference call with GM um, afterwards where they laid it out the day before the formal announcement. So we had zero, zero notice. But this is the company we're dealing with, and this is why I'm so animated and furious. We just finished bargaining with General Motors in 2008, just ratified the collective agreement, and within days they had notified us that they're going to close the truck plant. Never even raised it in bargaining. And then in 2012, we said right to General Motors, listen, there's all kinds of talk about you moving the Camaro from Oshawa to Lansing, Michigan, because there's talk about you consolidating your rear-wheel drive platform. They said, no, 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 that's all nonsense. Three months afterwards, they announced that they're moving our Camaro to Lansing, Michigan, to consolidate the rear-wheel drive platform. And then in 2016, they moved the terrain from Ingersoll to Mexico, and they said, well, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. You're going to be launching the new Equinox. The complexity of this vehicle is so incredible that there won't be one person laid off. And over and above that, we're going to do an overlap with the old model for a year and a half, so we have no space for the terrain, and not one person will be laid off. First thing they did, they didn't do the 18-month overlap. They laid off over 600 people. 600 people that for eight years worked six days in a row. And then also as a part of the deal in 2016, they said there would be no closures during the life of the agreement. So this is a company that has lied to us and lied to us and lied to us, and I've had enough. I'm not putting up with any of their crap. So they don't like my behavior or don't like our campaign. That's too damn bad. I'm sick and tired of them. So what do you do now? 
I'm going to do exactly what I've been doing for the last two months, but I'm going to be ratcheting it up even more. Um, I'm not going away. Our union is not going away. GM has some tough decisions to make. Canadian consumers are punishing them in a serious way, and that's what we've been saying to them. Canadian consumers, we're not docile. They're watching this. They see the bailout. They see the exploitation. They're watching all of this. In December of 2018, GM sold 30% less vehicles in Canada than in December of 2019. In January of 2019, they sold 50% less vehicles in Canada than they did in January of 2018. So Canadian consumers are punishing them all over the place. And that's what we've been saying to GM. What's wrong with you? This is your fourth best market that you have in the world. Canadians buy over 300,000 GM vehicles a year, about 320,000 as opposed to 240,000 in Mexico. So for them to penalize us in a significant way while they are continuing to increase volume in Mexico is an absolute disgrace. Uh, Jerry, uh, you, neither of us are lawyers. And last question for me, but I'm curious uh, because you probably know this. In, in regard to a labor agreement, can you sue for breach? Well, we are absolutely taken at arbitration, and we'll see where that takes us. Um, so we'll... You know, what we're looking for, just in the short term, is for them to live up to the agreement, which means the plant stays open for nine months longer. They can do that without any difficulty, but they're choosing not to at this time. Hmm. So we're going to take it to arbitration. We'll see where that takes us. We'll see what the uh, what the courts rule, because we'll lock it into the courts after that. We'll see where this whole mess takes us. Well, and we know the importance of the uh, of, of that plant to that region. I, my, my Uncle John worked at that plant for his entire career, um, shuttling back and forth from Peterborough, Ontario, over to Oshawa every day yep. um, for years and years and years. Uh, I'm curious, just before we let you go, um, we're going to keep seeing that commercial, Jerry? Of course you're going to keep seeing the commercial. As a matter of fact, we, we bought double the space um, since their lawyers got involved. So we're not slowing down. We're ratcheting it up in a significant way. I'm not going to get bullied by GM or their high-priced lawyers. Zero chance of that. Well, high-priced lawyers, this could cost you a little bit more. I hope you have some money socked away. That's okay. We've got six lawyers on our staff here in Toronto. They can deal with it. There you go, uh, Jerry. Jerry, uh, just before we let you go, a texture said, ugh. Now I have to buy a Toyota Tundra. <laughs> At least it'll, I'll be supporting the oil and gas industry. <laughs> Jerry, thanks for joining us this afternoon. We really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day, and yeah, thank you, you well. for your time. Take care. Jerry Dias from the uh, National President of Unifor. There you go. I mean, that, that, the, the car industry, that, the, the plants in, in the country, it, from what I remember, it's been, a, it's been an up and down. It's been a roller coaster for, for It has years. for a long, long time. Because I know, my, again, back my Uncle when I lived John. Out there, we sold yeah. to the, that yeah. plant yeah. when I was with Algoma Steel. My Uncle John would be working. He wouldn't be working. You yeah. know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. It was kind of uh, ro- riding the roller coaster. See, it is interesting. Time. The point off the top of the conversation was about the estimate that it was $300 per Canadian and General Motors claiming, yeah, but that all got paid back. Um, Jerry saying, you know, there were some other components of its stock and that sort of thing. Uh, But I think the analogy that came to mind as he was speaking for me was, yeah, okay, but if you're drowning, um, you're about to die and somebody throws you a rope um, and then pulls you out and you say, well, you know, what was the cost, though, right? Well, yeah, but they saved you from dying. Yeah. So do you not sort of owe them then? And I'm speaking now of General Motors owing Canada a debt for, for preventing them from uh, going further into bankruptcy. Yeah, when you hear from, from GM and how they're kind of... Each side is looking at the numbers differently. 
I mean, mm-hmm. the number is there. We know the bailout was there, but each of them are, um, let's say, skewing it. Yeah, for, you for know, sure. For their own side. And of course, that's that's not surprising. But let's be real. This is not going to get the plant in Oshawa reopened. <laughs> well, I think, you know, at this point, I don't believe that Jerry was trying to, you know, your question with regard to, um, you know, how GM perceives this mm. sort of tactic. I think they're beyond negotiating with GM. Oh, yeah. So I think what they're really looking for now is uh, public attention, government attention. <laughs> I think what they want is for Canadians to sit up and take notice and say, yeah, hey, exactly. okay, you know what, turn around and hit them where it hurts. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when you go to buy a vehicle mm-hmm. or lease a vehicle, whatever it is, what what goes into your mind when you're doing that? Is it is it price? Is it what you like? Is it, uh, you know... I'm the wrong guy to ask because cars to me, and I've told you this before, yeah. mean nothing. They, they have to be priced right, good on gas, yeah. be able to hit a deer, honestly. Yeah, you know what? The kid, when he came back from Tokyo, he had researched, researched, and researched and knew exactly the vehicle he went and bought, and that's what he got. Whereas I think other people are, oh, I'm going to go here, 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 see what's the best I can get. Could be model Is type it based too, on right? models? Yeah, based like on some look? people like SUVs, some yeah. people like uh, something like, a little smaller. I've had, I, I've driven a Toyota, my first vehicle was a Toyota Tercel, and I didn't get that vehicle until I moved to like 1998. I told you I didn't get my license till I was 21. Yeah. Didn't own my first vehicle till 28. And it was a hand-me-down from, I think, my step-grandmother. Um, so, and then I had a, a Kia. I drove a Kia Sorento for, for quite a long time. And of course, now I drive uh, Volvos. But um, when it comes to deciding, you know, what you like, I, I mean, the Sorento, the Kia, it was my ex-husband said, you know what? I think this would be a good SUV for you. Let's go look at it. And I was like, well, okay. I knew nothing about vehicles. Well, yeah, it's not that I don't know anything about vehicles, although I honestly don't know a lot about vehicles. The last three, um, I put Carol on the case. Well, she researches everything, She does. Right? She loves doing it, too. So, you know, because she... Because you have the Patriot, right? Yeah, I've had two Patriots, and the car before that, uh, I want to say, was what, a Saturn. And she has, what, TJ? What do you call those? What kind of vehicle does she drive? Uh, maybe t- I know nothing t- about t- cars. I don't know. I don't anyway. Know. PJ Cruiser. A t- no, t- not a TJ Cruiser. P- it's not, um, it's not Cruiser. a PT Cruiser. No, no, no. It's not no. a PT Cruiser. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. But, um... But when you went to in to go get the Patriot, you're like, okay, well, I like the look of it. <laughs> well, yeah, for me it was I had just hit a moose mm. um, two cars ago, and then the last car I had hit a deer, yeah. <laughs> as Hunter said. You must be the talk of the forest. Uh, and then I had transmission problems with it after that and some other problems, so I just wanted to get rid of that car. Yeah. So, you know, Carol at that point did the research. We ended up with the Jeep. Um and and in that particular case, I had three Jeeps to uh-huh. choose from and three different years and three different prices, but they were all slightly, you know, gently used. I, I didn't buy new. And for me, it was like, okay, this one, honestly, this one, the one that I have now, uh-huh. uh, when I got in the car and turned over the ignition, the cup holders lit up. <laughs> You're like, I like that. You got, I got to be honest with you. I was like, I really like that. But the amount of time that I drive, honestly, in the dark, yeah, having a coffee yeah. or or a Coke, and you know, you're trying to find the couple. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, at that point, that wasn't the only reason I bought the car. But obviously, at that point, I had decided, yeah, yeah, I decided on a Jeep Patriot or some Jeep model. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny because I turned over the ignition, went, oh my gosh, did that just happen? Like these little yeah. green rings. I thought, yeah. taking this See, one. I love 
love learning about the safety stuff that was in the in in the Volvos that I drive mm-hmm. now, and I feel quite good, especially driving that road that I have to drive every day. And again, whatever it is, I know all sorts of vehicles have all sorts of different safety stuff. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever blows your skirt up. But when you find something that connects, it's like yes. okay, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm comfortable with basically how basic the Patriot is. Yeah. I, I, uh, to be honest with you, I don't want a car with, personally, with all those safety features. Yeah. I don't want bu- bells and buzzers and. Well, I'll tell you something. There's something that my car still does, and I'm not sure what it does. Every once in a while, it dings, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Oh, for. that's an angel getting its wings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery solved. Two twenty-nine. When we come back, we'll check in with Chief Meteorologist at Global Edmonton. We'll check out uh, what's happening and how long this weather is going to stick around for. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.